So many of you realize that um, some time ago I uh, brought a message uh, mainly from uh, Psalm 119. And I tried to, uh, to uh, show you in that message the, the specialness of, of, of Psalm 119. Uh, it's, it's a big psalm, many verses. Uh, nearly every verse says something about the Word of God. Um, something that the Scripture is or something that the Scripture does. And uh, <clears throat> I, I think I told you then that... Uh, that's just scratching the surface and that maybe sometime I would uh, uh, bring a, another message uh, that somewhat comes from, uh, from, from that psalm. <clears throat> Something about the word, of course. <clears throat> and so uh, I'm, I'm attempting to, to do that this morning. Uh, we, will, we will end up, Lord willing, in, in Psalm 119. Uh, but there's, uh, <clears throat> of course... <clears throat> Knowing the word as we do, um, it, it fits together really, really nicely. Of course, it doesn't contradict each other. Uh, it, you know, uh, it doesn't say something at the end of the Bible that that's contrary to what it says at the beginning or in the middle or wherever. Uh, and so the word is is, is tight. Uh, and so <clears throat> there's uh, just because there's there's so many things about the word in Psalm one nineteen. Uh, <clears throat> doesn't mean that there's not many things about the word in other places. And so we will, we will begin by looking at some other places. And as I said, uh, uh, conclude with Psalm 119. Um, so what should I, uh, one of the things that, that I, I realized or thought about, uh, because, because there, there's so many things about what the word is or what the word does in Psalm 119, then you could say... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, it's sufficient. It's enough. It's complete. The word is. And so because of some, some reading I've been doing in the last couple of months uh, uh, about the sufficiency of the scripture in, in, in uh, somewhere else outside of the Bible and in, in some articles, then I, I'm going to use that as a title for this morning. The sufficiency of scripture. The sufficiency of scripture. Uh, in the first row of young fellows here, uh, when when uh, when your mother says when you're at the table, and, and your mother says you've had sufficient, what does she mean? Enough. Enough. Okay, just listen. Keep listening. That's a good answer. Now let's make a another scenario here. When when your mother has prepared a meal, and she has. Um, vegetables, and she has meat, and she has bread, and of course she has dessert, um, and, and you would say, uh, and she would say, I think I've prepared a, a, a sufficient meal, what might she be saying about the meal? Not only is it enough, but it is Well-rounded, complete, different, different food groups that are good to have, complete. Does that make sense? So the sufficiency of the scripture, it is enough, it is complete. 
It's nothing left out that we need. <clears throat> you, you could break it down in, in different ways, but let's break it down uh, <clears throat> for our purposes right now in thinking about it this way. Um, <clears throat> two, two, general, two general areas here. Um, the scripture contains the words of God that are necessary for, for two things. For, for salvation, for us to be saved. And secondly, for us to live obedient and victorious Christian lives. The scripture contains all that we need for those two things. To be saved and to live obedient, victorious Christian lives. The word is enough. The word is sufficient. Um, it's not that we need the scripture plus some other things. It's not that we need the scripture plus some humanistic psychology or plus some ungodly reasoning or the scripture plus some worldly wisdom. No, no, no. We have sufficiency in the scripture itself. Because it is the word of God. God being our maker and creator. He knew exactly what Adam and Eve needed. And he knew exactly what I need today. These many years later. And he need, knows exactly. As long as time lasts. What people will, will need in the future. And he's given it to us. In his word. By the way, we're, we're talking specifically or generally, or, or, yes, about, about the, the written word. But, but I would say this. <clears throat> you can't separate God and the Holy Spirit and Christ and the word. They're, they're together. The word does not contradict something or say something against the, the character of Christ or God or the spirit. And the Spirit does not tell us something that's, that's contrary to the Word of God. <clears throat> I thought about the verse in, in uh, Colossians 2. I think I'll just quick turn there. Uh, two or three verses in, in Colossians 2. And the word complete, and I used that, fellas, just a while ago in, in that illustri illustration. I said, you know, when your mom has fixed this well-rounded meal and it has all the food groups uh, and, um, and I said, then uh, it's sufficient, it's complete. Okay? Um, so the song, uh, actually just this morning, uh, jumped out at me uh, the song Complete in Him, the song that Joshua sings with the, with the quartet uh, on one of their recordings, Complete in Thee, Complete in Thee. Well, that phrase comes uh, uh, right from the scripture here. It's uh, Colossians 2, verses 8 to 10. Colossians 2, verses 8 to 10. And so uh, let me just read those uh, three verses. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy... Or vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world. 
Now, just before I finish that verse, I want to stop and, and see. This is just what I said. We have sufficient in the word. And I said in saying that it's not the scripture plus, and I said plus humanistic psychology or plus ungodly reasoning or plus worldly wisdom. That's exactly what I just read in verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through something outside of the word of God. Through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men. After the rudiments of the world. And not after Christ. Because we have completeness and sufficiency in Christ and his word. Verse 9. For in him, in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's why you can't separate them. If you want to know what God is like, who God is, look at Jesus. In him, in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness, the completeness of the Godhead bodily. The Godhead, the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. You want to see what they look like? Look at Jesus. He came in body to show us God. Verse 10. And ye are complete in him. You're sufficient when you're in him. He's sufficient for our every need. And ye are complete in him. Which is the head of all principality and power. Complete in thee. And that song says, complete in thee, O blessed thought. And so the chorus of that song um, <clears throat> mentions the two things that I said we could generally break up this message in. That is, the, the scripture is sufficient for our salvation to save us. And secondly, it's sufficient for us to live obedient, victorious Christian lives. And the chorus of the song says that. The chorus. Um, It says justified in the chorus. It starts with, then it says sanctified next. So justified is the salvation. Sanctified is the victorious, obedient life. Sanctification. Sufficient. Now... In thinking about the fact that the word of God, the scriptures are sufficient to save us. I I wrote it down here, just a short verse. You don't need to turn to it. We'll turn to another one then. But Romans 10, 17 says this. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I would like for you, if you would, to say that with me. I'll say it one more time. It's so short you can easily remember it. Most of you, many of you would know it already anyway. But, but listen, just, just think about uh, the, the, the power and, and what that verse is saying. It says, so faith cometh by hearing. How, how do we get saving faith? By hearing. And, and where do we get hearing? By reading this. And by listening to this. 
So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, the sufficiency of the word, sufficiency of the word of God. It's sufficient to save us. Say it with me now. So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The sufficiency of the scripture for our salvation. I'm turning now to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter in chapter 1. Verses 22 and 23. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses 22 and 23. Verse 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Being born again by the word of God. That's what the Bible says. The Bible, the scriptures are sufficient for salvation, for our salvation. They bring us to God. They bring us to Christ. Now, it's interesting also then of what Paul said to young Timothy. Um, The scriptures were sufficient to bring Timothy to Jesus Christ, yet he did not have the New Testament. Let's just turn to that. So 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And so don't make light of Christ in the Old Testament. Of course don't make light of it. Students, if you have to um, write a paper or something about seeing Christ in the Old Testament, take it seriously. Let me read to you what Paul said to Timothy, and we know that Timothy did not have the New Testament. 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, and it is verses 15 to 17. 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17. 15 now. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Okay. Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Wow. <laughs> Did you ever think about that when you read that verse? You've read it many times. Paul was saying this to Timothy who did not have the New Testament in his hands like we do today. But he said to him, and from from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All the things in the Old Testament that helped people realize they were lost, 
They needed a sacrifice for their sins. The sacrifice had to be a perfect sacrifice. Therefore, it could not be a sacrifice provided by man. It had to be a special sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice provided by God himself. And it would be, and it was none other than Jesus Christ himself. Now, we must finish reading verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Now, we're talking about the sufficiency of the scripture, the completeness of the scripture. The scripture is what we need. The scripture is enough. And here we have a list of things to help us see the sufficiency and the completeness of the scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be halfway. (laughs) The Bible says that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished, Unto all good works. Now that sounds like the scripture is sufficient, does it not? And it is. In in, in speaking about this this morning, about the sufficiency of the scriptures, of course I'm not saying that we should not read anything else. But I'm saying whatever else we read and depend on must come right out of here. Must parallel with this. And emphasize this and teach this and preach this. And help us understand this, you know, that kind of thing. Supporting this. Um, So there's a sufficiency of the scripture right there in verses 15, 16, and 17 of of, uh, 2 Peter, uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. If we would turn yet over to Second Peter chapter one, Second Peter and chapter one, and this is what it says in verses three and four. Second Peter chapter one, verses three and four. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things, uh, did we say complete, sufficient? That's why he says all things, okay? All things that pertain to life and godliness. Uh, Some things that pertain to part of our life. Is that what it says? A few things that might be helpful sometimes in your life? Uh, No, no, it doesn't say that. Are given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Underline knowledge. And how do we learn to know God? How has God given us in in this day the, the way to learn to know him? It's through his word. It came first of all before they wrote it down through through his men, through his prophets that spoke it. It was eventually written down. And we have this completeness of the writing today. And that's how we learn to know him. 
By his Holy Spirit? Yes. But the Holy Spirit parallels with this. The Holy Spirit turns us to the word. And reminds us of the word. And tells us of the word. Through the knowledge. We get that knowledge through the word. The scripture is sufficient. Through the knowledge of him that has called us unto glory. Verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. It is enough to give you salvation. It is enough and complete enough to give you, to help you obey and be victorious as we live. There it says it. I referred to our article of faith number one. I don't know if I have mentioned to you that when I referred to this in the message earlier from uh, Psalm 119, if uh, the article of the word of God was the first article or not. It's, it's interesting that it is. And uh, I'll just mention this. Uh, I think I mentioned that, you know, of course, there's been various articles of faith written throughout the years from our Anabaptist people. One of the earlier ones being what was called the Sleitheim Confession of Faith. We, I say articles of faith, or maybe a more general way would be to say confessions of faith. And, uh, and there's been various times when uh, confessions of faith were written, uh, you know, uh, we being human writers and not writing things exactly the best the first time, then they've been revised and changed and added to and so forth. Um, but then there was uh, one well-known uh, that was written exactly 100 years ago uh, in 1921 in Garden City, Missouri. Uh, and... Uh, 18 Articles of Faith. And then there was another uh, uh, confession that was written uh, in uh, 1963. Well, it happens that um, our article number one is the one on the Word of God, and it is verbatim from the confession of Garden City, Missouri in, in, in 1921. Um, <clears throat> Just to say another comment, another comment or two on the fact that it's interesting how that the, the article of the 18 articles, number one is the one of the word of God, about the word of God. Why would you start with another one? You know, because we know God. I just said it a while ago. We have learned to know God. We know God by his revealed word, by the word, by his word. And so any other thing you would say, like the existence and nature of God, the creation, the fall of man, of Jesus Christ, that comes from the word. And so why not start with the word of God? And that's what they decided to do in Garden City, Missouri in 1921. Start Article 1 of the 18 Articles, the word of God. I'll read it. We believe in the plenary and verbal inspiration of the Bible as the word of God. 
that it is authentic in its matter, authoritative in its counsels, inerrant in the original writings, and the only infallible rule of faith and practice. Then it has uh, six or eight references to help us understand uh, those facts. Just to explain a couple of the words, we believe in the plenary inspiration of the Bible. That means full. It's, it's fully inspired, plenary, full. Uh, then it says verbal inspiration. That means uh, God helped the men who wrote this to actually choose the words. God chose the words for them, you might say. He was in, he, it, it, these, what we have written here is not just some lofty thoughts by some godly men, not just some of their lofty thoughts. It's the words that God wanted them to write, verbal, the words. <clears throat> it's authentic in its matter. That means real and genuine. It's infallible. That means it's sure. It's certain, and that word would also include without error. And it already said earlier in this sentence, inerrant or without error. <clears throat> That's what we believe, believe about the word of God. <clears throat> well, um, before we get to Psalm 119, uh, there's another number in the psalm that sounds... It's, uh, close to that in, in sound, and that is simply 19, okay? So let's first look at Psalm 19, and then we will go to 119. Psalm 19. If um, young people, if you want to memorize a little psalm that's not very long, uh, I would suggest Psalm 19. So, uh, first of all, the first six verses talk about the creation. And then the next few verses talk about the word. And those are the verses we want to look at right now. Quickly, the verses on the word. Psalm 19 and verses 7 through 11. So I'll begin with verse 7. <clears throat> of course, we're thinking about the fact that the, the word, that scripture is sufficient. It's sufficient. It's what we need. It, 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 it fulfills our needs. It meets our needs. It's complete in meeting our needs. Psalm 19, beginning at verse 7 and reading through verse 11. The law of the Lord is perfect. I guess we could just stop right there. I mean, perfect is perfect. If it's not perfect, it's not perfect, huh? The law of the Lord is perfect, but we will go on. Converting the soul. I, I have to say something about converting. That sounds like New Testament, doesn't it? We talk about somebody got converted. Uh, we say that in this New Testament time. I, I don't think that you'll read that in the Old Testament. Not that it didn't happen, of course, but that phrase that somebody got converted. Okay, But, but we talk about in this New Testament, somebody was converted, somebody was saved. And so it sounds New Testament here, does it not? But back in Psalm 19, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect 
And it, it's so perfect that it'll convert a soul. A, a person could be, of course, saved and a follower of God in the Old Testament. Of course they could, and they were, of course. And souls were converted because of the perfect law of God. He's saying the law, the, the, we already said that about Timothy. He, he, he knew he could know Jesus Christ from the Old Testament scriptures. He could know salvation through Jesus Christ by reading the Old Testament scriptures. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Is sure. Not, not almost, not, not hopefully. It's sure. And it makes wise the simple. It's sufficient to do that, you see. Verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. The, we'll, we'll, we'll look at that again in, in 119, but here the scriptures are sufficient to give joy to your heart. That's what it just said. The statutes of the Lord are right, causing your heart to rejoice. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. You want to be enlightened? Read the Bible. By the way, lest I forget it, I said it last time, I'll say it one more time. If you need something to help you uh, read the Bible better in a more organized way if that's a problem and it is often with some of us uh, to read in a more organized way back there on the table there's some of those bible reading charts uh, to help you read the bible in a more organized way if that can be helpful to you help yourself if you would like to have one verse nine the fear of the lord really the worship of the lord the fear of the lord or the worship of the lord is clean enduring forever The Lord will be worshipped forever. Jesus said that. We see it happening in the the Revelation, the last book of the Bible, in the future. When all other things crumble, even the sinners will be worshipping the Lord. It may be too late for them, but they will realize Finally, that they should have been worshiping him. Jesus talked about when the stars are falling and so forth, it'll turn people to to look to him, to worship him. In the Gospels, we have that. And so the worship of the Lord is clean and it'll last forever. Forever people will worship him. Everyone. In some way, and it may be too late for those that are lost, of course, I realize that. But still, there will be a time when everyone will worship him, so his worship will go on forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. True. Righteous. Altogether, not part way, but altogether. The, The word is sufficient, it's complete. The scripture is sufficient, yes it is. Verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, 
Yea, than much fine gold. We talked about that the other time in, in, from 119. <clears throat> Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. That's how the word should be to us. Because it's of who it comes from and in the fact that it is sufficient, it is complete, then it should be to us like verse 10 says here. Verse 11, moreover by them is thy servant warned and in keeping of them there is great reward. Do you want that or not? <laughs> I do. And, we'll, and we see that at the beginning of Psalm 119. Um, so let's go there uh, right away then. Psalm 119. <clears throat> but before we... Uh, we go to the very beginning. I'd like to just point out just two words. We looked at a few words last time, a few words that are used over and over or in significant ways or in interesting ways in Psalm 119. Um, I would just pick out two uh, this morning that I don't think I used uh, then, and that is the first one is this, salvation. Salvation, does that take, sound like a... A New Testament term or what? It, it certainly does, but yet it's used in the Old Testament uh, various times. And the word salvation is used in Psalm 119 a total of six times, in fact. Let's, let's look at three of them. Psalm 119, the first one that we will look at is verse 41. Verse 41. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. He saw that he could know something about salvation by the word of God. That's one of the first things I said. Salvation, the, the word of God is, is a, sufficient to bring us to salvation, for salvation. And that's what he said. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord. Even thy let thy salvation come to me according to your word. He didn't say according to anything else. According to my good works. According to what I saw in the stars. According to what I read in some history book. Or some wise man's book. No, according to thy word. Another verse in this psalm about salvation. Verse 81. Verse 81. My soul fainteth for thy salvation. But I hope in thy word. My soul, my soul longs for thy salvation. How do I get it? Through your word. By trusting in your word. That's how. That's what the verse said. One more. Verse 150. Uh, yeah, verse 155. 155. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they seek not thy statutes. Well, wow, that puts it straight, doesn't it not? That's interesting. See, the wicked, the wicked don't have salvation because they don't seek your word. I find salvation in your word, the psalmist said. Now, one more word yet, and then we'll just look at <clears throat> some significant, sufficient things about the word in the psalm in general. But one more, uh, I, and I, don't, I may have 
mentioned this in passing the other time, but let's look at it a little closer right now. The word ashamed. That's an interesting word to, to use in, in, in these 176 verses about the, the word of God, ashamed. But the word ashamed is used in Psalm 119 five different times. Let's look at uh, a few of them. Verse 6. Verse 6. Right here near the beginning. Verse 6. <clears throat> then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. You, you, you need not be ashamed in front of anybody when you're going by the word of God. When you're living the word of God, you need not be ashamed. And the psalmist knew that and he wasn't. And he said it. Verse 46, verse 46, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. If you have to stand before, if you do stand before, if you speak to some high ups in the government, in the leadership of our country, our community. Uh, you, you, can, you can live by and talk by the word of God and not be ashamed. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings. I will speak your word. It's sufficient. It's complete. It meets all a man's needs. Therefore, I should be able to speak that before high ups, before leaders, and not be ashamed. Verse 80, verse 80, let my heart be sound in thy statutes that I be not ashamed. Suggesting that when you're, when you're not in the word, when you're not sound in the word, things will happen that will shame you. And I won't ask you to raise your hand, but many of you would agree with me. Yes, you know, I've went away from the word. I haven't followed the word at times. I went, I sinned against the word and it caught up with me and I was ashamed. Verse 80 says, let my heart be sound, be blameless in thy statutes that I be not ashamed. Wonderful. One more quickly. 116. 116. Uphold me according to thy word that I may live. And let me not be ashamed of my hope. Of my trust. I'll have life in your word. Your word will give me life. And of course I can trust in that and won't have to be ashamed. By not trusting in it. By not hoping in it. Why did the psalmist talk about being ashamed or not being ashamed? Uh, it's, it's interesting, but five different times he used the word in, in these verses about the word. Now, let's just look at some verses. Um, and I'll just take, this, take these in, in order. Uh, a number of things here. Uh, the word is sufficient. 
the word is sufficient for the following things. This is just an example, of course, a sample. The first verse of the psalm, verses 1 to 3. The word is sufficient for real blessing. We talked about that the last time, but it has to be spoken again today. For re- you, want to know, you, want to know real, you want to experience real blessing? Then stay close to the word. Blessed, the first three verses. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed. What, what, a, what a better word could he have used to start this psalm about the word? You'll be blessed. Verse 2, blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. The word is sufficient for real blessing. We must look at one other verse on that, and that is verse 45. Verse 45, and I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. Wow, that's beautiful. You want to feel liberated? You want to feel free? You want to feel peace? You want to feel that burden lifted off your chest, off your heart? You want to walk at liberty? Then seek God's word. The word is sufficient for that. Yes, it is. It doesn't say go read some book about psychology or, or something or about counseling or something, you know, uh, from, from some doctor out of a university. It said, I can walk at liberty. I can walk at peace because of your word, through your word, by reading your word. Do you have a burden? Then read the word if you want to get rid of it. Read the word. It's sufficient for that. The word is sufficient for cleansing and keeping from sin. Verse uh, 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking, taking heed thereto according to thy word. Is that, is that hard to understand? No, it's not. Verse 11. Verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I'm saying the word of God is sufficient for cleansing and keeping from sin. The word of God is sufficient for renewing our life. For renewing life. Verse 50. Verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction. Do you, have a, do you need comforted? Do you have an affliction this morning? For thy word hath quickened me. Thy word hath renewed my life. Thy word hath given newness of life to me. Thy word. The word is sufficient for renewing our life. Verse 50. Furthermore, verse 54, the word is sufficient for making us sing. Verse 54. Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. I know the word is so sufficient, so complete, so all I need, therefore I sing. That's what he said in verse 54. 
the word is sufficient for bringing on and causing thanksgiving. Verse 62. Verse 62, for bringing on and causing thanksgiving. The word is sufficient for that. Verse 62, at midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. Wow, that's beautiful. The word was so special to him, so beautiful to him. He realized they were so sufficient and so complete that he calls thanksgiving from this writer. By the way, also, the word is sufficient for helping us to think right. You have problems with your thoughts at times? The word is sufficient for helping us think right. It says that in verse 113. Verse 113. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. But, remember when this, the word but makes you realize there's a contrast on, on each side of that. The two thoughts on each side are contrasting. I hate vain thoughts. I don't want to think wrong. I want to think right. Therefore, I go to your word. I love your word. When I love your word, when I go to your word, when I realize your word is sufficient, when I take time with it, it'll take, help me with my wrong thoughts. That's verse 113. The word of God is sufficient um, for decisions about who we associate with. The word of God is sufficient to give us guidance about who we should be associating with. It's in 115, verse 115. Depart from me, ye evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. And so if somebody is not living by the word, keeping the commandments of the God, living by the word of God, then you better be careful how you associate with them. Depart from me, ye evildoers, for I don't like that life. I don't go along with your life, your style, your sinning. I will keep the commandments of God, and therefore it's going to separate me from certain people. The word of God is sufficient for light and understanding. You have trouble understanding some things, need some light on some subjects. Look at verse 130. The word of God is what you need. 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. You feel simple in certain areas, certain subjects. The Bible says the entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Also look at 169, verse 169. Let my cry come, be, come near before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to thy word. The word of God is sufficient for strength in time of persecution. You, have you thought sometimes, how, how, do, how do some persecute? Persecuted people handle it. How do they have strength to go through certain persecutions? Well, the word of God is sufficient. Look at 161, verse 161. 
Princes have persecuted me without cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. The word will help in time of persecution. One more and we will sing a song then and, and close. But uh, the word of God is sufficient for personal peace. For personal peace. And one of those verses is 165. Verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law. And nothing shall offend them. Um, you could talk about a couple of different aspects of that little short verse. But one, of course, is peace. And the other thing is being easily offended. Sometimes you make a comment to someone, you talk to someone, and they just fly off the handle, get upset. They don't like what you said. They get offended so quickly. Does that verse say anything about that? Verse 165, great peace have they which love thy law, and also nothing shall offend them. Great peace. This is all because of the word of God. Because of the sufficiency of the word of God working in someone's heart and life. Well, let's close by singing a song about the word. It's number 218. Turn to number 218. Two hundred eighteen, and uh, I won't point them out, but uh, I counted, and uh, there's uh, nine or ten different uh, things, uh, nine or ten different words or phrases in this song that um, are symbolic of the Word of God. May they be a blessing to you, uh, not as we, not only as we sing it right now, but uh, in the future. Uh, thy word, O Lord, like gentle dews. There's the first one. It's like water. It's like rain. It's like a gentle dew. Okay, Joe, if you'll come and leave 218. <clears throat>